From the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between, this is the 5050 Podcast, presented by Physical Athletics. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, as well as an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another edition of the 5050 Podcast presented by Physical Athletics, our proud partners, Physical Athletics. They are the experts as they are applying science to your game. Whether you're a middle school, high school student athlete, an aspiring college athlete, current college athlete, an aspiring pro, or an existing pro, they are the ones to go to. The Director of Strength and Conditioning, Armando Aguilar, and his staff, they are the very best. Uh, so if you are in the in the regional area, El Paso, the Borderland region, you can check them out at 2270 Joe Battle Boulevard, as well as on all social media platforms, you can find them at Physical Athletic, that's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L Athletic, as well as their website at physicalathletics.com. So we're back, episode nine. Very excited for this week's guest. My guest this week is, she is uh, kind of, I call her kind of a, a revolutionary in terms of what she's doing in the uh, the youth soccer game uh, nationally. And, uh, you know, when, when we were first looking at starting this podcast, she was one of the guests that we really wanted to target having on this uh, on this podcast for a multitude of reasons just because of just because of our you know our existing uh, existing listeners which are stu- both student athletes coaches coaches on the club side coaches on the high school side as well as parents uh, her name is Sky Eddie Bruce and she is the founder of so- the soccer parenting organization and you can also find more information on them at soccerparenting.com uh, she's you know she's a tremendous athlete in her own right a former goalkeeper a former multi a former d1 multi-sport athlete as she was a a goalkeeper as well as a basketball player so uh, she's also a soccer coach as well as being able to coach her own kids and she taught she'll be talking about a little bit as to why she started the organization uh, that we know of now as soccer parenting which is really about seven to eight years old but has really picked up probably has really gained some steam in probably the last three to four years so we're excited to have her we're going to dive right in with a very good interview uh with her we're looking forward to it we hope you guys enjoy it so for all of our listeners don't go anywhere we'll be right back with sky eddie bruce after a word from our sponsors Hi, I'm Armando Aguilar, Director of Strength and Conditioning at Physical Athletics. If you want to take your game to the next level, come to Physical Athletics. Our experienced staff of strength and conditioning coaches bases all of their training programs on a proven successful philosophy and years of research and scientific data. From middle school to the professional level, come see how we apply science to your game to help you improve your performance and reduce your risk of injury. To learn more, visit Physical Athletics online at physicalathletics.com. Check them out at Facebook and Instagram at Physical Athletics and visit them today, 20 270 Joe Battle. And welcome back to the 5050 podcast presented by Physical Athletics, our proud partners, Physical Athletics. Make sure you look them up on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic. That's F Y Z I C A L Athletic, singular. Again, F Y Z I C A L Athletic. You can also find them on their website at Physical Athletics. Com. My next guest, she joins me via the Sun City Prep Academy hotline, a uh, person that I'm a very big fan of. She's doing tremendous things. She's a, I call her a, a she's a revolutionary in the youth soccer game. She's uh, literally changing the game. Love what she's about. Uh, she was one of the very first guests I had in mind that I wanted to have on this podcast. And uh, she runs, she's the founder of the Soccer Parenting Organization, which we're going to dive into and she's going to tell us a lot about. Sky Eddie Bruce. Sky, how are you? 
Great, Hector. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Likewise, likewise. Excited to have you here. Um, so the one of the very first questions that I ask everybody here, especially because uh, we try not to make it exclusively about the pandemic, about COVID, but it kind of, you can't ignore it either, obviously. Um, describe to mm -hmm. us, describe to us your experience in leading your organization of soccer parenting, as well as your family during this pandemic. Yeah, so it has been, you know, just a remarkable year and in many levels. Um, I've been really fortunate personally that our family has stayed healthy and we've actually, um, you know, kind of had some great time together and bonding and I've been able to kind of see the positive side of all of that just within my family structure. My daughter came home from college um, for a little while. She's up at school in Boston at Emerson. And so that when they got shut down, it was great to have her home for some Eve as a parent, like some extra bonus time being, being a mom to a 20 year old. And, um, and uh, my coaching again here, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. So the coaching work that I'm doing for the Richmond strikers, I have a U10 girls team and we were pretty much able to keep our whole season intact, um, you know, with a lot of really clear and well um, implemented sort of precautions, if will. Um, and for soccer parenting, um, you know, I am an optimistic introvert. And so I took advantage of all of this time and I rallied and we pivoted in many ways, although we were already doing online, so much online webinars. Like I've been doing webinars and Zooms for years. Right, right. Um, and so everyone else figured that one out. Um, but for the most part, uh, I think that it was a year of really exciting growth um, where we're able to really serve the needs of parents and provide um, provide a really valuable tool to clubs who are looking to engage with parents. So, uh, and then then sort of secondary to that is that clubs who didn't have time on the field, their leadership was really interested in providing other services and growing. And so we were able to develop some really strong. Uh, relationships and partnerships with many, many clubs around the country who um, were, were trying to do something new and different and now have put in best practices that will stay in place even post-COVID times. Great. That's a lot of good stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Great. I mean, I, I know I, I feel so grateful um, because I know that this has been just a, a really tremendously difficult time for many, many people. and um, And so, you know, I've certainly experienced that on an ancillary level with friends and such, but we've been, we've been good. Right. Right. Yeah. That's good to hear. Um, okay. So your organization, soccer parenting um, for, you know, our listeners here, you know, it's, it's a pretty broad, it's a pretty broad audience, you know, whether it's coaches, student athletes, and definitely parents who have may most likely have never heard of it or have maybe just kind of in the background heard something about it and they're triggered a little bit, but they don't know anything about it. Um, tell us more about it and kind of the genesis of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that probably the best place to start is that I am trying to make you soccer better. And that's the vision of our company. And I am a former player. Um, you know, I played collegiately I was an All-American in college. I played professionally. Um, I am a B-licensed coach. I'm a coach educator for U.S. soccer. I've worked for many of the top goalkeeper camps in the country for many years as a director. Um, so I had some great mentors in the game. And so I sort of filled the soccer um, you know, resume from a player and, as, and a coach. And then as my kids were coming up in the game, uh, I really started to be acutely aware of the stress that we often feel as soccer parents. I thought I was going to be like, this is, this is going to be cake for me to be a soccer parent. And I am telling you, it was some of the hardest times for me personally. And so I recognize that if this is hard for me, it's got to be really, really hard for others as well. And, um, and so, so that's part of the issue I'm trying to solve is, is make you soccer better by providing parents some resources and support and guidance. Um, but but beyond that, I think I'm able to sort of coalesce the voices that I have as a coach, as a player, as a parent, 
as a club board member even, um, and bring those all together to develop a voice um, that is, uh, as you said, revolutionary. I, I like that. I'm going to think of myself as a revolutionary person. Um, yeah, I, I definitely am a bit of a disruptor. We're flipping the script and we're trying to, um, well, at, at soccer parenting, we believe that collaborative relationships between coaches, clubs, players, and parents is in the best interest of player development. And so we're, we're starting at this point of collaboration. We're starting at a point of establishing trust in the coach-parent relationship. And so I'm not just, uh, I'm not solely focusing on parents and guiding parents. Uh, the bulk of my time with soccer parenting is spent with coaches and club directors, mm -hmm. helping them rethink the coach-parent relationship and make parent engagement um, an active, useful uh, tool that they have in within their club or within their um, coaching experiences. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty, it can be a little uh, misleading when you see the soccer parenting and the organization name, but yet the bulk of your of your work is actually taking place directly with with these progressive, with these proactive uh, clubs and organizations and coaches. So that's that's great to yeah. hear. Yeah, it kind of feels like uh, I'm using air quotes here, like the good guys. The good guys have all come together here. The good, the, the level-headed parents, the level-headed coaches, the, the people that really are earnestly trying and working diligently to support uh, players and make sure that players are inspired by their sporting experience. Um, those are the organizations that are gravitating to me. I sent out my newsletter this morning. I got this email from somebody that said, take me off the list immediately. And I'm like, well, one, you put yourself on the list. Like you subscribe to my, my newsletter. But I was like very, I was offended. I'm like, why don't you like me? Everyone likes me. Like the work that we're doing is like really positive. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're bringing people together. And he just kept coming back, unsubscribe us. I finally just stopped engaging with him. I mean, there are those people that we just can't quite reach. And that to me, it just doesn't make sense when somebody acts that way, because I really do so deeply believe that um, there is great value and power in these, these relationships and, um, and, that, and that parents will be a difference maker when it comes to improving the game. And so as coaches, we have to um, figure that out. And we need to, um, you know, rethink, like I said, the, the way that we, what, what, what we believe to be true about soccer parents and find a place for them within our structures, within the youth sporting ecosystem. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear, you know, you can't, you can't reach all of them. And I'm sorry to hear you were offended. You should have explained to, to him or her that, Hey, but I'm, I'm a revolutionist. I'm a revolutionist. You should have explained that to them, you know? So, uh, um, I lost so, you for a second there. So sorry, I don't know. You, you froze for just a second, but I think oh, it's no, okay. No, we're good. There you go. Okay. Now I was saying, I'm sorry to hear, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that uh, you can't reach all of them and that you're, yeah. you're, you were offended. You should have explained to them that I'm, I'm a revolutionist. I'm a revolutionist. <laughs> I know that would have worked. Yeah. Well, um, just we can't reach all the coaches. We can't reach all the parents. Right, like right, there's some right. crazy parents out there. There's right. some crazy coaches out there. Exactly. We can let them all like play together and, and let's have this, our level-headed parents and coaches just uh, yeah. unite and take back the sidelines. There you go. There you go. Um, so, so um, you mentioned, you mentioned stress as a parent there, even though you're obviously more than well qualified as a coach. So I noticed you mentioned um, you mentioned stress, stress, you know, str stress as a parent. And even though, you know, you're well-credentialed, well-experienced in the game as a player, as a coach, you would have thought that it would have been not applicable as it, as it, you know, as it relates to you as a parent. Um, but yet you did mention stress and your mission statement in there. It says, in, you know, inspiring players by empowering parents. Um, when you talk about stress, what did you, you know, what is it that you felt as a parent when you say parent stress? And tell us a little bit more about that mission statement. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's only been in the last like three years that I've really started realizing and talking about the fact that I probably started soccer parenting in large case because of the stress I was feeling back when my daughter was eight, nine, 10, 11, and all of this was kind of kicking off, I wasn't really cognizant of that. Um, but now that she's in such a great place and enjoying her soccer and thriving and very inspired, I'm able to now look back, reflect, 
and um, and actually like kind of take responsibility for um, the way that I often interacted with her. You know, there was a lot of good and bad, and it wasn't just car ride home stuff or. You know, it was just um, me putting too much pressure on her, me not letting her lead enough. Um, and if Callie were here, she'd say, that's not true. But I know now that I look back, like I could have done a better job. I hear that from parents a lot. They're like, I'm on my third kid and I finally figured out this soccer parenting thing. You know, so there's definitely layers to that. So the stress that we feel as soccer parents um, is actually... I think kind of multifunctional. Um, there's stress because we don't have the education that we need. We don't understand about long-term athlete development. We don't understand about the structures of, um, or, or the, like how kids acquire skill. And we don't have the understanding that we need about growth and how growth affects development. And so, this lack of knowledge that parents have about, and I just mentioned three of probably like 50 things that parents really need to understand as they're trying to support a child in their sporting experience, regardless of their level or their intentionality in the future of the sport. Um, parents just need this. So that's one la layer of stress that has never been addressed really, and that I'm working hard to address. Uh, the other layer, and that was a lot of the stress I was feeling. The other layer of stress that we have um, is when our child is playing at the wrong level. This happens a lot in areas where there's only one soccer experience available for kids. It might be a small and there's like one team or maybe two. And, um, and so the child sort of gets sucked into either too high or too level high or low of a level based on their athletic mentality and, um, and their athletic potential. And so if that there isn't, if there's a disconnect between the level that your child's playing that leads to stress. Uh, the flip of that, some people might be thinking, that, you know, well, parents put pressure on their kids to play at too high level. That would go into the parent education side of letting your child lead and all of that stuff. But, but just generally, if kids aren't playing at the right level, it's stressful. Or, you know, you're traveling too much as a family and you don't want to go to that third tournament and the team's going and that leads to stress. And the other like primary place where there's stress is this whole concept of trust. And when there's not trust in the coach-parent relationship, the stress is very prevalent. Um, and depending on your child's level of inspiration, it could even be more prevalent. So if your child's struggling and you don't trust the coach, that's just like a, a very challenging situation. If your child's struggling, but you really trust the coach, that's another thing. You really trust the coach, your child's struggling, like, you know, or, or you know, your child's inspired, but you don't trust the coach, that's stressful too. So you know, it's finding that right, um, that right um, environment where you trust the coach. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing is around establishing trust and what it takes and, and, and guiding, instructing coaches on trust-filled relationships and what those look like and talking to parents about that as well. Um, this whole concept of sense of community that I'd love to get into it later um, and how that falls into this concept of trust is important too. So I think those are the primary ways that, that parents um, are feeling stressed and, and coaches too. Um, we need to realize that they're, you know, this is definitely bi-directional, uh, the work that I'm doing. And then uh, you asked about the mission statement. So it's my mission is inspiring players by empowering parents. And, you know, more than anything, we want parents to understand the power that they actually have to ensure that their child is inspired. And they have this power if they're seeking education about the right things, if they are making sure they're in a trust-filled relationship with their child's coach, and um, you know, if they're sort of making sure that they're making a good decision about their child's environment. So, um, you know, the, the, the concept is confusing to some people, of course, uh, although it's changing, people understand a lot more what I'm doing now than they did originally. They all thought I was, I was crazy originally. Um, now, now uh, for the most part, people understand this concept of empowering parents. It's not making them a helicopter parent. And parents received a lot of mixed messages, like don't get involved, don't, you know, don't. Um, but it's, it's actually making sure that parents understand exactly the right things that they need to be doing to support their child. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, you hit on two, two big things there. One, um, 
one the level in terms of the level of play of you know of the of the, their child which is you know sometimes they're yeah you're, you're you hit the nail on the head in terms of they may be limited right in terms of options mm-hmm. and <clears throat> excuse me and the other one is is oftentimes i know there's parents out here they're listening to this right now and they're kind of wondering you know hey sky hector how do i know i'm striking the right balance between not being helicopter parent or bulldozer parent right but also not under under involved right uh Mm -hmm. that can be i could that's kind of i could see that as stress you know um so because you obviously want to be involved so yeah that's those are two it is it's a really really hard line to balance i'm sure you feel that yourself as a parent um you know, I, that's what I say when I, when I reflect and I say, I could have done a better job. That's exactly what I'm talking about is too involved. Sometimes not involved other times. Like just, I did, I I really struggled to strike that right balance with my daughter who was, was not like me. (laughs) I am, I'm highly motivated and I have a growth mindset and I, um, you know, and my daughter who has given me much permission to share all of this, um, is, is don't, don't worry. Um, but you know, she really struggled with motivation and confidence and anxiety, uh, based on environments that were really stressful for her with yelling coaches and like the, she just struggled there and not, not very outwardly, but she just kept it all in and it definitely affected her performance. And, so it took me a while to figure that out and to understand that since those are things that really never like phased me and in my athletic participation as an athlete growing up. So um, it is the biggest challenge. I mean, that's parenting, <laughs> you know, trying to find that balance of, of trusting and trying and pushing and pulling and inspiring and demanding. And, you know, it's, it's finding that balance and it's no different on the soccer fields. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm finding out now having a, a teenager in the house, a recent teenager in the house. Now, um, my dad told me a long time ago when my first one was first born, she said, he told me, enjoy it now because, you know, once they hit about 12, 13, you're not, you're not really their parent anymore. You're not parenting. You're just, you're kind of consulting at that point. And man, was he right? Man, was he right? So, yeah, well, yeah, and, and and I I like that. I might actually steal that and write an article about that. Like you know, because it's, I think that's that's really true with soccer too. Um, I saw somebody post the other day, a parent post the other day. Somebody said like, how much should you help your child in their college search process? And the response was something like, the child has to want it more than you. And it's kind of the same thing here. Like we can't force our children to fall in love with the game to the point where they want to go out and juggle every day or they want it, whatever, you know, they, they think about it all the time. So, um, we are just sort of consulting. We're here to support and guide and help and, um, and challenge, but really that's the, comes down to finding coaches you really trust. Cause we all know the great and amazing benefit, um, and just how special that coach player relationship can be when it comes to inspiration and learning and guidance. Um, and so that's really trying to seek those uh, th- those environments for our children. Absolutely. And let the record show that um, I get uh, marketing idea credit and royalties for anything relating to revolutionary and consulting used by. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, We're on it. You can write the article. There you go. Oh, no, no, I'll delegate no, no. Don't that. Give me more work. Don't give me more work. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> um, okay. So kind of, kind of loosely related to what we were just hitting on, um, but it's kind of diving into, if you could identify maybe one, one trend, uh, one or two trends maybe. And if you want to pick one positive, one negative up to you, um, that's a trend that you're that in this time with uh, since you've launched soccer parenting, the over maybe an overwhelming trend that you see in the youth game regarding parents, whether it be a combination of club, high school, or one or the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, so probably the thing that jumps out at me is this trend where parents are starting to recognize that there's more, like 
um, even me, when I started soccer parenting and I've coached, I've, you know, I didn't know what long-term athlete development was. I'd never even heard of that term before. Um, in fact, for the first few years, I was like long-term athletic development. Like I was even using it wrong. Um, so uh, I think though that there's much more understanding on the part of parents, uh, awareness about uh, about those types of things. And I love to see that because that's foundational to our work is making sure that parents um, realize I have a lot to learn. And we still have a very long way to go with this. A very, very long way to go with this. I would say it's a positive trend, but it's also like the largest way that parents can improve is to gain education on these things. And we have to be cautious because we, at some point we started, when I started down this path, everything was parent engagement, parent engagement. I mean, excuse me, when I started, it was all parent education, parent education. And then we switched to this term parent engagement. There was this like general consensus on the leaders across the country and the world even that, you know, parents don't want to be educated. They want to be engaged. And I think that's a great term, but we have to remember that education is like a fundamental component of parent engagement. And so we have to, you know, keep pushing hard on the education. But I will say that um, I'm starting to see to see that trend develop. That parents are seeking that guidance and education. That's fantastic. That's great. That's good. That's great. Um, okay. So this one, kind of, you know, when I was getting ready, thinking, okay, so many awesome things that I can ask um, that I can ask Sky. This one kind of came to me as it relates to me thinking a little bit of kind of of my daughters as they're returning to play, right, is mm. um, what should, and, and I guess I'll explain why, is, um, you know, as they return, I, I see on Twitter, I, I, I talk with enough parents and I talk with other coaches and as student, you know, as student athletes start returning to play, especially on the club side, um, there so much is so much of so much talk is about how rusty they're going to be maybe not you know not as sharp technically not as sharp maybe kind of out of shape but very little is kind of mentioned on the you know the confidence side or also the mental side um so my question really for you is what is what should parents consider um post covid right once this is finally really kind of said and done as their, you know, as their children continue to play and return to some to a new normal, is there anything out there you think parents should consider? Oh yeah, I mean, a, a few things come to mind. Um, one is just how essential it is that we keep our children moving, and there's ways we can do that. Like, I'm not comfortable personally, like going to a gym now. I'm not going to my yoga classes anymore. I'm not, but I am working hard. Even even if we're just here where I live, you can see, I live in like a loft. You've heard the train. I'm like in the city, like I'm not in a very urban environment. We're, we're like running up and down the stairs in our loft. We're like doing uh, random exercises in quarters. We don't have a lot of space. So, I mean, we're, we're figuring it out. And I think that even if you aren't comfortable, I mean, I think most people now are good with the kids getting outside with masks if they have to, we need to keep our children moving. Because when we do get back to the fields, um, you know, there will be, there has been a drop-off, just like there's a drop-off in school and learning, there's going to be a drop-off in terms of how the kids move. And so that is something that we can work really hard. And it's really important for their mental health and our mental health. Like, you know, my son and I go for these walks and it's great. And, um, you know, we never used to do that together. So, um, you know, it's, it's important. That, that we do that. Um, as the kids do get back onto the fields, you know, I hope that they're hearing um, feedback from coaches and club leadership. Uh, you know, every, every place in the, in the country is different too. Some have been shut down so much. Some like Richmond, we've pretty much kept going. So it, this isn't as, as prevalent of a conversation, but um, you know, that there'll be some thought around um, athlete development or how, how kids are getting back and, and putting in safety measures I got so nervous when I saw some states, North Carolina in particular, I saw like they, they had a high school set, set season, but they shortened it. So they had like 18 games in four weeks or something ridiculous. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we have to be really careful of, about our children and, um, and just their, their well-being. But I think overall, our kids getting back and rejoining their teams and having a moment, having these times where they can interact 
um, is just wonderful for their mental health. So it's a big positive if your family's comfortable with sending your kids back and you're able to do that based on your guidelines for the area. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, all right, so uh, as we get, as we start to transition here, um, any exciting future pro project or projects maybe that you can mention uh, regarding soccer parenting mm -hmm. or or just something, just in general, what can we expect from soccer parenting in the, in the near future? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a, a number of really things, exciting things happening. Um, company's growing, I'm hiring people and um, we're able to provide some, what I feel is really useful and helpful content uh, we're just launching, um, really, it will launch, right, as this podcast is launching, but we're just launching a Facebook group, um, and this will be for parents, coaches, club leaders, referees. This is, like, level-headed people. I'll get over here, and let's unite there. Um, so you can check out soccerparenting.com to find information about that Facebook group, um, and we're continuing to build out our content. We just launched a, a content space called um, called Game Plans, where parents are able to engage with some of the learning and um, what is a really kind of a low key, fun way to engage with content. We have a game plan out right now about like motivation, and um, so it's sort of a step by step learning journey, if you will, for parents to go through about motivation and how that relates to their child and sport and um, how they can support their child with when it comes down to motivation. So all of those things have been really excited and um, are been really exciting. And, you know, more than anything, what I'm hope, what I hope to be true when I look back on this next year is to be able to say that we've continued to grow and to have more followers in terms of really creating this movement. And, you know, creating a movement is hard. It takes a lot of time and energy. I've been at this for eight years and I feel like we're finally pull, pulling it in with some really positive momentum. But, um, you know, in order for us to have culture change, which is what we're seeking, culture change in our youth environment so that the focus is on the children and their level of inspiration, uh, we have to really focus on our values, our beliefs and our behaviors. And, um, and so, that's what this movement is all about. It's positive, um, you know, working on these positive behaviors, making the right decisions, what we believe to be true about our children, about coaches, about each other, about referees. Like it's all, it's time for us to figure this out and really come together as a strong community. So, um, you know, that's what, that's what we're, we're hoping, um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to see some tangible benefits, which we already are. Um, another thing that you asked before, what the trend, the positive trend with parents that I've seen, and I'll say that the positive trend that I've seen with clubs is just this amazing leadership that is now available to parents in clubs all over the country. Um, you know, 20 years ago, our leadership in clubs was, was very novice. It was very um, oftentimes unqualified. Um, I'm not saying, I mean, there've always been great people in the game doing wonderful things, but the, the trend that I'm seeing with club leadership is that executive directors, presidents, CEOs of these, of these clubs are highly qualified, um, you know, great leaders uh, and, and uh, men and women who are really in it for the right reasons and are trying to put a great product on the field for kids so that they can positively impact their communities. And um, so that's something that I've been really excited to see. And um, so I would hope right now we have about 130 club partners around the United States. My, my hope is that we'll definitely have 200 by the end of 2021. Um, but that's going to require a lot of a lot of work on our part, um, just to, to build those relationships and onboard those clubs, but we're prepared to do that. That's great. And, and for, um, for club, uh, maybe club directors that may be out there listening right now, what is, so I know you mentioned, I was going to get to that later, but your, so your membership partner program, um, what in, I guess if you can maybe, in maybe a couple of sentences, what can, you know, what is that about? And for, clubs that may be interested, directors, directors of coaching, if you want to get more information, I know you mentioned soccerparenting.com. What does that entail and how can they get more information? Yeah. 
True. Um, so I've, in addition to soccerparenting.com, I have the soccerparentresourcecenter.com, which is a private membership site and individual parents are joining or clubs are getting a club membership. And so when we're, when I'm referencing a club membership, it's that these clubs are making a great statement and saying that we believe that parents have value and we want it. And so you have access, if you're a parent in our club, you have access to the Soccer Parent Resource Center. And so club partnerships are just $500 for the year. It's extremely affordable, which speaks to our mission of getting this to as many people as possible and making you soccer better, not making it more expensive. Um, and, um, and so and there's other tangible benefits of being a club member uh, for the leaders in terms of access to different training and webinars and coach education and such. And they can find that information at soccerparenting.com. There's a section there for club memberships. Great, great, great info. Um, awesome. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I'm really, really proud of the site. I'm really proud of the the information that we're providing in the community that we're creating. So I appreciate you asking me about that. It's um, it's been a ton of of work to get all of this content out. Yeah, it's a great it's a great site. There was I found myself thinking, hey, I'm going to go there for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And of course, about an hour and a half later, I was still finding <laughs> all kinds of tremendous things. I was like, wow. So yes, very in-depth. That's kind of why I asked exactly. So, all right, uh, Sky, this has been great. Uh, this has been, uh, you've given us a lot of tremendous info. I know you're going to stick around with us for uh, for our next segment, all right, our counterattack segment where we get to have some fun with you. So for our listeners, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Sky Eddie Bruce. Sun City Prep Academy is currently accepting registration for its postgraduate and elite youth academy teams for the upcoming training season. For more information, visit our website, www.suncityprep.com. Unlock your potential. Compete at the highest level. Find your future at Sun City Prep Academy. And welcome back to the 50-50 podcast presented by Physical Athletics, our proud partners at Physical Athletics. You can find them on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic, that's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L Athletic, as well as at their website, physicalathletics.com. All right, we're back. We're back with a very special guest here, uh, Sky Eddie Bruce. Uh, I know she's, I think she's a little nervous, a little bit on eggshells for this. I am so nervous. I'm so bad at stuff like this. Okay, don't embarrass me. No, no, no. No, this will be great. This will be great. All right. So all right. Are you, ready? you ready to go? I'm ready. Let's bring right. it on. All right. Okay. So first one for you. Um, so we kind of go rapid fire here. So just, you know, kind of by association, mm-hmm. what right. best would you can share? All right. Any pre-gamer, okay. you know, obviously you're also a coach. So any as a coach or even as a parent, uh, any pregame or postgame rituals? Uh, as a coach, I use the exact same cones to set up my. Um, I have like I have pregame cones that are separate in my car in the truck. They're the pregame cones versus the practice cones. So that's probably. I don't know why that happened. I'm not really ritual. When I was playing, I had I had things that I kept with me in my glove bag. I had like a random card that Mark Doherty, who played in the MLS, gave me at a K out, but I like kept it with me forever. Um, you know, so there was a little there were little um, symbols, if you will, but um, not really, not really rituals other than somehow I've developed this coaching ritual of these cones. Okay. Yeah. I have a pregame. I have a totally separate, one of those drawstring bags, a Nike drawstring bag where I keep, I have my, what is it? I think it's like 24 pregame cones. Okay. You do the same thing. All right. See, we're aligning around that. I thought that was really weird. I wonder if coaches all over do that. And I just never knew that. I bet you, I bet you, because we're kind of creatures of creatures of strange habits. I think sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So, all right. Now, uh, other, if not soccer, other sport you, you would have coached maybe in a former life. Hmm. Uh, basketball. I mean, I played basketball in college, uh, as well. So I played division one basketball and division one soccer, but I never played basketball before. I never know the rules. I just made the team because I, they needed like 
so basically somebody to like knock everybody around at practice and piss everybody off. Sorry if I can't say that. No, so, so we developed a really strong mentality and I could inbound the basketball the entire length of the court using a goalkeeper throw, which was a very novel concept right. in 1994 or three or two, whenever this was. And so I got in the last minute, but I loved basketball. I, I often say, oh, that could have been my sport. Like I love the physicality of it. I was the goalkeeper that was also the mis middle distance state champion. Like I, I, I fitness side of, of being an athlete is something that was really inspiring to me. So I think basketball, definitely. I love it. I love the intensity that you, it's like 30 seconds left and you're behind by six and they still think you could win. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It's great intensity, but I don't know. I mean, I, the, 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 you know, there's 30 seconds left and there's 17 timeouts. It takes, you know, I, I know people yeah. always say, yeah. you know, people are always giving I, us a hard time about extra time, you know, in soccer, but yet it's like the last two minutes of a tight so of a tight basketball game. Oh my God. It, it wears yeah. me out. I know that's true. You don't feel that when you're an athlete, of course, because you're in the middle of the, you know, like, I'm like, oh, I might actually get in. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was always excited then. But yeah, I feel that now when I'm watching, when if I'm watching a basketball game, I'm like, all right, come on. Right. Okay. So um, different one for you, similar, but different. Um, other profession, if not a coach, other profession, if not what you're doing now, what would have been another something else you could have seen yourself doing? Mm, urban planning. That's what I, that's what I thought I would probably do. I grew up in Reston, which was like this urban planning central area of the United States, the first planned community. My dad's an architect. Um, I, I definitely feel like uh, I, I love um, the concept of reusing like city redevelopment, those types of things. Okay, good. Wow, that's probably cool. weren't expecting that, were you? No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I thought you were going to run with basketball again somehow, you know, and, you know, WNBA or something. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Time. Oh, well, I mean, if that was an option, yeah, the yeah. WNBA was, I'm, I'm old. There was, there wasn't a pro league for women. The MLS teams started when I graduated college. Right. Right. Um, okay. So next one. So obviously we're what now 11, I think 11 months now into the pandemic, at least here. Um, favorite Netflix series or whatever platform you've been able to binge watch, binge watch during uh, the pandemic? I have 14 more episodes to go of Vikings. Mm. Have you watched this? It's so intense. In fact, it's like some crazy like war scenes. I have to like just shut it down and, and turn away because it's a little violent. But um, one of my new friends from the pandemic is um, Simon McAvoy from um, he's from Dublin and he and I connected he's a performance expert and he and I connected and did an interview and he was an extra on Vikings <laughs> and so he got me on all this and oh my gosh I mean it's like eight seasons or something I have one more season to go to be honest I'm like all right let's be done with this by now but um, that that definitely kept me going during some some long winter days and of isolation so that's an interesting one because, you know, with Vikings, you're, you know, if you go back, because I know you are a uh, hardcore supporter of the 50-50 podcast, right? Um, if, you go yeah. back to, if you go back to episode seven, you know, we had uh, Carol Walters, a uh, near and dear friend of mine. She's the head varsity women's soccer coach at Bernie Champion there outside of San Antonio. Uh, and uh, she said the same thing. She said Vikings. And oh, she did? Yeah, I wonder if she sits around and braids her hair. I sit here and I put like 30 braids in my hair because they're these awesome women, warriors. I love them. And they've inspired me. So I'll go downstairs and I'll have like circling braids and everything in my hair. I wonder if she does that too. Does she have long hair? I'll have to ask her. Yeah, she was, you know, she was, she says like, oh my God, it's like, I had to, I found myself Googling these things left and right about, did that really happen? Did that happen? And, you know, Vikings. Oh yeah, the history. Yeah, yeah it's a show yeah. that I completely, Absolutely. Just, I never got around to watching. It looks very, it looked very good. I just never got around to starting it. And uh, yeah, I, I think I got to get started on that. So, uh, so eight seasons then. Yeah, uh, it's fascinating historical fiction. Oh, that's my favorite books to read too, historical fiction, like London, all that stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty good. Outlanders. Yeah, great stuff. All right. So now, all right. So back to soccer here. Your favorite and least favorite soccer team, any level, foreign, domestic, college, what, what have you? Mm -hmm. 
the Long Island sachem, whoever was their nemesis growing up, their parents had cowbells and they were ridiculous. It's so intense on the sidelines. And we beat them, I think, every time. But I hated the parents. I don't know. Maybe that inspired me with the soccer parenting. I, now I'm just thinking about that as I'm saying that. Definitely by far my least favorite team. <laughs> um, can I be the favorite team I ever played for? Sure. I mean, if that's Yeah. So yeah. I was so lucky to play. Uh, I just, You know, we all dream as an athlete of finding that special team that just all comes together in this exact right moment. And with fantastic leadership and great friendships. And I transferred and played my last season at George Mason University where we lost in the national championships. And I was a first team All-American, MVP of the final four. Like it was such an amazing way to end my collegiate career that up until then I've been pretty frustrating because I had been basically splitting time with Brianna Scurry in goal for the previous two, three years. Um, and so it was great. Uh, UMass made it to the national championships. They made it to the final four. They lost in the semifinals where I had played and where Brian was playing. And then we lost in the finals. So Brian and I separating was a good thing, but that team was so special. Uh, we just were there for each other in a really powerful way. And um, it's something I'm just so grateful that I could have experienced as an athlete to be on a team where everything just works like that. Well, there's no, there's, <laughs> there's definitely no shame in uh, splitting time with Brianna Scurry because I don't know if you noticed, she's, she's pretty good, you know, obviously, yeah. obviously you were too. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So now non-soccer favorite and least favorite non-soccer team, any sport. Oh, uh, <sighs> This is where I go really bad. Okay, uh, I, I don't want to offend anybody because <laughs> I don't feel that strong about anything. Uh, I really, I, I'm gonna pause. I'm, this is me worrying. This is this is like me trying to be everybody's friend. Like this guy this morning really bothered me. He didn't like me. Um, least favorite soccer team or least favorite team. I'm gonna go with this won't, please some people, but I'm going to go with Juve, Juventus, just because, um, <laughs> because when I was playing in Italy, they came in for a game and um, I actually got to like be around some of the guys and I, I didn't, they were, they were really, anyway, that I want to go with Juve and because Udinese was the men's team where I was playing in Italy and, um, you know, I became such a fan favorite of them. So, I'll go with them. They were their rival of that season. So I just have this in my head. Um, and then did you say my favorite team too? Favorite, favorite non-soccer team. No. Mm -hmm. Favorite non Oh, was it supposed to be non-soccer? Sorry. <laughs> okay. I didn't follow directions. Okay, we, got your, we, got, we, got, we got something. You're fired up about it. That's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah. Um, my favorite non-soccer team. I'm going to go with my son's favorite Philadelphia Eagles. I've become a big Eagles fan with him this last year, watching every game. And it's been like trying to find the games on TV with not going into bars and trying to like figure out ways to watch every Philadelphia Eagles game. So I'll go with, I'll go with, with them as my favorite. Okay, good. Um, all right. So any, uh, Hidden talent, secret. That was supposed to be rapid fire, so long-winded rapid fire answerer. And no, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll continue. We'll press on. And the hidden talent, secret talent that not very many people may know about you. Um, I know sign language. I used to interpret for sign language. I went to a camp growing up where we learned sign language. There were three to four hearing impaired campers every week. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Secret that's, talent. That's awesome. Okay. Um, all right, so now it's not Vikings, but so this is a soccer uh, so, kind of soccer binge watching here. Uh, assuming you've been able to watch all three of them, um, the All or Nothing Tottenham, uh, Sunderland Till I Die season two, and Ted Lasso. Which one and why? Uh, I think the Sunderland Till I Die. I'll have to say I just felt such like. I, I just experienced that on such an emotional level. And it was really cool just to really dive into like the promotion relegation and yes. to see that in a different way. I've really enjoyed watching Ted Lasso though. That's right. been, that's been fun for me, but I'll go with Sunderland till I die. Yeah, they were all, for me, they were all different. Uh, Ted Lasso, was, Ted Lasso was the big surprise. I think 
Sunder mm-hmm. Until I Die, season two was just, it was just brutal. You know, the, what you feel for yeah. the people and the organization in yeah. the town. And then, and you know, all or nothing, the Tottenham, you just, some people who were kind of maybe had a, a fixed mindset on uh, Jose Mourinho probably came out of that seeing him a little differently. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. 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 Okay. Um, <laughs> here's a different one for you. Funniest moment you can recall working with a club or with parents, something you can share. Oh gosh. You don't have to mention names. Oh no, it's okay. I'm just not a really, I'm not good with coming up with things. Um, funniest. Or a funny moment that you can recall. Um, Probably this is going to go in a different angle than what you're saying, but um, it's not like a funny story, but just the interactions that I have with people, I just get so much joy out of them. Like, I love the fact that, you know, I'll go and I'll speak. This is obviously pre-COVID when I was out speaking a lot, but, you know, being able to get with a club and speak and then the conversations that I can get into with the coaches or even oftentimes the parents afterwards, um, I don't know that there's like a funny moment that stands out, but just kind of like the joy that I feel from that, uh, the laughter, those, those are important moments for me um, and really bring home um, some, some great lessons that I can reflect on and write about. Great. Okay. Sorry, that's not a good answer, I know, but no, that's no, the that's best okay. you're going to get out of me. That's un- that's I'm really bad at remembering things. It's like I need to keep a journal of funny moments or something. <laughs> okay. Dog or cat, dog or cat <laughs> Things funny happen to me. I just don't remember them. All right. Dog, dog or cat person? Why, and why? Oh, I'm a cat person. I've, I've never. Well, I'm really a dog person, but I, I think like I love having a dog. That would be great. But with my travel and my lifestyle, that just really wouldn't work. Um, but I've never had a pet in my entire life. Like oh, wow. my was a deprived child. Wow. Nothing, nothing, not even a fish. And we got a cat during COVID. We rescued a cat from the SPCA. Um, Ramsey, he's been the best. What an incredible addition to our family. And he's brought us so much joy. So um, uh, yeah, Ramsey, my cat. All right. So that must have been a kind of earth shattering, groundbreaking for you. A little. That's a big adjustment, right? For no pet ever? Yeah, never. It's been great. I mean, I like, I was like, what do I do with a cat? Um, but uh, no, it's been great. My son's been begging for a cat. And I would love to have a dog, but like I said, I live in the city. It would just be, it would be hard with my travel. Eventually I'll probably, now that I see like how amazing it is to have a pet, eventually I'll probably have a dog, but I do love my cat. Uh, I, I don't, I, every once in a while I like share photos and I, people think I'm gonna turn into the cat lady. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of hesitant saying that even I understand there's like, a, yeah, yeah. There's, okay. there's some drama in that, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, so final question. I asked this one to everybody. Um, oh, gosh. Post-pandemic, all right, post-pandemic, um, you have the entire family over, friends are coming over, you're cooking for everybody, you're the chef, what are you cooking? Mm. Uh, when is it? Is it winter or su- summer? This is important. It's post- <laughs> post-pandemic, <laughs> take your pick. <laughs> Um, I am cooking a long a meal that we will sit at a table for hours. Like I'm taking, this is going to be an Italian meal. This will be the, um, you know, maybe I'll even dive into my Italian recipes from the family that took me in when I lived there and find a recipe from the Nona to, to bring out. Um, but it will be a long meal where we sit at the table for a long time. We'll have uh, some wine consumed and there'll be, um, lots of food sitting on the table for us to just sit and enjoy, uh, each other's company all together. It'll be Italian. Awesome. That's great. Yes. I'm very, uh, I'm very picky with Italian as well. And we'll have to talk more offline because I spent, um, <laughs> about three hours Southwest of the Aviana Udinese area is where I lived. I was stationed there. And that's where I also played. Uh, I played semi-pro ball there for, for about two years, two and a half years when I was there. So that's great. So yeah, that Aviano base Hector, that's where I would go to get peanut butter. Like so I, yeah. for, I don't know how, but there was a couple of guys from 
the Air Force Base in Aviano that came and saw us play. And then I went and saw them on the base and like got a stash of peanut butter from the PX there and stuff. That, that was great. It was like the only Americans that I saw the whole time I was there were these yeah, yeah. two or three guys from the Air Force Base. So I'm out of the base. I'm yeah. Well, I was, I was, so thinking, yes, offline. We could talk, we could talk, right, talk right. Italy. Yeah, we'll talk more. Yeah, for sure. So, Sky, <laughs> this has been, uh, this has been tremendous. This has been great. You're a, you're a good sport with the counterattack segment as well. And uh, we really appreciate you being on the 5050 podcast. And uh, I'm a, again, I'm a big fan of your work. Um, soccerparenting.com, I know, is the site. Any, uh, any other information in terms of whether it's a club director? maybe even a high school coach or a parent, where can they, uh, besides the, the soccerparenting.com website, and well, I shouldn't say besides, because there's a ton of information on there. Uh, where else can they find you or find more info on soccer parenting? Sure. Um, well, I'm on all social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Soccer Parenting. Twitter's probably the best place to reach out to me via a DM. Um, but all of my contact information is on the site. And, um, and you can grab a three-day free pass to the Soccer Parent Resource Center at soccerparenting.com. So check out on soccerparenting.com and uh, then you can check out all the content that's there. And um, I look forward to connecting with whomever. Uh, um, we are here to help and we're here to make you soccer better. So thanks so much for having me. This has been fun. I'm gonna like text you later on tonight, a funny moment that I finally think of. So you're gonna probably get a, a text at like two in the morning when I wake up and I said, oh, I should have said that. So be on the lookout. I might have to record that and see if we can get a late edit, late edit. <laughs> so awesome. This has been great. She, again, yeah. she's Sky, <laughs> she Sky Eddie Bruce, uh, founder of Soccer Parent, the Soccer Parenting Organization, soccerparenting.com. And again, joining us via the Sun City Prep Academy hotline. Sky, thank you for your time. A pleasure to have you. Thank you. Welcome back to the 5050 podcast presented by Physical Athletics, our proud partners, Physical Athletics. Make sure you check them out on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic. Again, that's Physical Athletic, F Y Z I C A L, Athletic Singular, at Physical Athletic. And you can also check them out on their website at physicalathletics.com. <clears throat> so, uh, tremendous, tremendous interview that we're coming off of uh, with uh, Sky Eddie Bruce. Special thanks to her for having her on. She was able to she was able to dive into many things from just the the genesis of of the soccer parenting organization, how it came to be, what was the reasoning for it, the need for it uh, from her point of view. Uh, she also hit on, you know, trends, uh, trends, uh, primarily positive, believe it or not, uh, trends in the, um, in the youth game that she's seen regarding parents and programs and coaches. And uh, one of the, one of the interesting things that you probably noticed coming out of that interview is the name of her organization can also be a bit misleading from the standpoint of when you see soccer parenting, um, you think that it's exclusively designed for her parents, uh, but her her uh, her biggest customers are actually clubs, directors, executive directors reaching out to her. They're trying to get on board with this and show uh, show that they're trying to do the very best in terms of education for. Um, for their coaches and as well as engagement for their parents. So very good stuff, very good stuff all around. She, she also hit on things that parents should consider um, post uh, as their student athletes return, um, return to play post COVID, some certain things to keep in mind. And she also hit on ex some exciting, uh, exciting future projects, things that are in the works uh, over hopefully the next year. Um, and what we can expect from soccer parenting. Um, so very excited, uh, very excited for her, very happy to have her on. Again, you can find more. Of, they have a plethora of information at their website. So that's uh, soccerparenting.com. And she also hit on her resources website as well that she mentioned in the interview. So thank you again to Sky, uh, Sky Eddie Bruce for coming on. We're grateful for your time and we're lucky to have you. Thank you and we wish you all the best in 2021. So now as we transition here, uh, just a couple of couple of points that we wanted to hit on uh, first things, the um, 
as we get ready with the uh, the taps uh, tap state playoffs that are about uh, a little little less than a week away. Um, they they start February thirteenth. They uh, by district round opens up February thirteenth across all three divisions, uh, Division One. And for those of you not entirely familiar with the TAPS landscape, the private school landscape at TAPS, that is a, uh, the D1 is their equivalent of the, I guess, UAL 6A, the biggest schools, if you will. The D, the D2, the Division Two, is the UAL equivalent of 5A. And then, of course, the D3 is the equivalent of the UAL 4As, uh, or lar- maybe even large 3As, if, if you would. I mean, the... The enrollments aren't the same, but it's on a comparison basis. So they start. They start the uh, the by district round playoffs will open up February thirteenth, followed by the the area round on uh, Tuesday, February sixteenth, followed by the regional round on f- Saturday, February twentieth, and then the following week is the big push where you have the the uh, the two state semifinals, which will be at different locations, February twenty third followed by the state final on February 26th. So um, we're getting excited, getting ready to start covering that as uh, the districts kind of start to settle in, who's going to make the uh, the playoff spots, top four teams qualify, of course, um, and we're, we're getting excited to cover that. And also a bit of a... Bit of a breaking, I guess, breaking news that broke about a week, a little over a week ago, a week and a half ago, I guess you could say. Uh, back on January 29th, you had the the UIL announced. It was actually also put out there by Tasco uh, amongst other amongst other uh, websites. The UIL made the uh, made the announcement that this year there will not be a a traditional state tournament as we know it. They're at at Brickleback Field there in Georgetown, where they will, where they traditionally host the state semifinal uh, on Friday, followed by the state finals on Saturday. Um, it will be exclusively just the state final that will be held at Brickleback Field there in Georgetown. So the state semifinals will be held at neutral sites at, for different at different locations, obviously. Um, for again, that is for the UIL. Um, so that's kind of more info TBD. It's uh, to be determined as far as that goes. So, yeah, so we're looking excited. We're looking looking forward to covering both the uh, the TAP state playoffs as they start on February thirteenth, and then we start uh, probably most districts uh, on the UAL side are about about at least two, if not three, weeks into district play. With then there are there are some exceptions, especially at the. Uh, the smaller districts in the smallest classification and the 4A classification, of course. Um, so, yeah, uh, big thing, just a reminder, we wanted to thank all of our our listeners, our uh, the programs out there, especially the high school, obviously the high school programs, uh, coaches, directors, athletic directors, and and even our, our student athletes, our players that are putting out there, uh, putting grow, helping grow the game, helping grow the hashtag, the TXHSSOC hashtag, uh, for Texas high school soccer again, that's TXHSSOC on all your posts, your pregame scores, your highlights, uh, where you're tagging us, everything, everything you're putting out there. Again, we're the intent is to to grow grow that hashtag and grow the game. So we have a kind of a, a united call, a united calling that we can all uh, rally around. So that's and it doesn't matter whether you're UIL, whether you're TAPS, whether you're SPC. Again, that's. Hashtag TXHSSOC for Texas High School Soccer. And again, a reminder, you can find us uh, on all social media platforms, uh, major major social media platforms, I should say. You can find us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, as well as on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. And you can also find me, I, I get that question a lot, at Coach H. Cano. That's Coach H-C-A-N-O. Uh, as well as the actual podcast itself. Again, remember we are members of the A Day in the Life Network. So the simplest way to find us is whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, just or even on Anchor, you can just search A Day in the Life colon unplugged. Again, that's A Day in the Life colon unplugged, 
and that's where you'll find all episodes of the 5050 podcast. That's where you can find us. So again, thank you to all our listeners. We continue to grow. Very excited of uh, what uh, what the spring holds, what we're going to bring in terms of coverage for the again the taps tap state playoffs. SPC will be kicking off their tournament in about a week as well. Uh, so we'll be uh, excited to cover some of that as well. Um, again, continue to tag us on all your pregame, postgame scores, all of that. Uh, special shout out to certain players whether when they're having big games. Let's not forget about our goalkeepers as well. When our goal, goalkeepers have big games, everyone always wants to tweet out and shout out the goals. But what about when our goalkeepers also step up and have huge games? So, uh, again, tag us and use that hashtag as well. All our listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you so much as we continue to grow. Uh, cannot thank you enough. You are the reason why we do it, and we're grateful for that. So, again, until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 podcast presented by Physical Athletics. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod and at Coach H. Cano, as well as on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.